Okay, tonight I'm, my wife will probably re- rename this, but I'm calling it my shotgun sermon because I know that I'm scattering all kinds of stuff everywhere and I'm just going to tell you ahead of time, if it sticks, then let it stick. If it, if it doesn't, if it hits the right place, then fine. If it doesn't, then just you can ignore it. I know this, that it hit me, it hit me right in the place and I would rather follow the leading of the Holy Spirit than have a f- perfectly organized three-point outline dead sermon. Uh, I, if Tonight, if you can, track with me. Um, I, I, I may leave one place and jump to another, uh, but don't get upset. I'm, I, I love to boondock, so tonight uh, we're boondocking for a little bit, okay? I want us to go over some things that we have corporately seen in the last couple weeks that the God, God has shown us, especially on this last Tuesday night during our prayer time. Um, those of you who can come out on Tuesday night, we're here. I'm, I'm not... It's not a forced thing. It's got to be a want thing. It's got to be something that you desire. You want to come out and pray on Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. We lock the doors at 7.10. If you want to come out and pray and intercede, it's a time of worship. And we just let the Holy Spirit lead us. But um, I'm also asking that um, on Tuesdays or Saturdays or both, that we begin to fast corporately as, as a body. That we begin to fast, just setting aside, if you can't fast food, then fast Facebook. Uh, Melissa's fa- fasted her phone, so don't even try to call her right now. Um, but the idea is, is this, that the Lord showed us in the last couple weeks, is that he, the enemy will actually allow us and take us on a religious journey and make us feel like we have a measure of God. In fact, so much so that, um, did you know that those goosebumps you feel, see, sometimes they may not be the Holy Spirit. See, we can actually, see, what happens is the enemy actually leads us up to a place, and then he places a barrier that won't allow us to go any further in our experience with him. See, what happens is, and then what we do is we snuggle up next to that barrier and it feels good because it's got a measure of religiosity. It's just like Saul in the Old Testament when he took the ephod when they were in battle. He took it with him, but there was no power in it because he did not recognize God that was in it. See, when we actually get to this barrier, I said, and what we have to do is we can no longer just snuggle up next to it because we're snuggling up next to the enemy. We have to hurdle that barrier, and what happens is, as when we hurdle that barrier, we actually begin to swim upstream. We, all, we will actually feel like we're, we're trudging through mud, and a lot of people will stop right there because they believe that it's the enemy that's, that's, that's causing that, and it is, but in the sense, but they're actually pushing forward into God. Amen. But the barrier will keep us at this place of this religious experience. We'll go to church, we'll do all the right things, we'll say all the right things, but we will really, truly never have that encounter with God like He's looking to have with us. Because we come up to that place, it feels good, it feels comfortable, it feels godly. And we think, okay, it's okay, I'll just stay right here. See, we actually feel a false sense of peace here, and we think it's the Holy Spirit. When it's really the enemy that is caressing our backs... That he's lulling us to sleep and making us feel content. Instead of burning for God. See, that's why he talked about, in Revelation, he talked about the lukewarm church. There is one kind of church. 
It's a church that burns for God. Any other church, any other thing that, we, that they call it out there is not, is not a Christian church. What it is, it's lukewarm. And, and we say we use the word lukewarm Christian, but lukewarm really means nauseated by God. I have to spew you out of my mouth. Ravenhill said it like this. Leonard Ravenhill said, he was once asked if he ever prayed for the dead. He says, no, but I preach to the dead in church every Sunday. That'll smart. The enemy can imitate, even try to authenticate and counterfeit that relationship we have with God. Don't be fooled. Just because it feels good does not mean that you're in the right relationship. Do not let that be the the mark of approval of God. It is one thing and one thing only. It will always be obedience to God. Nothing else. Not the goosebumps, not the feeling good. It's, I've seen people that actually think they're doing the right thing when they're manipulated by the enemy into thinking that what they're doing is right. See, people can tell you, people can tell when you're not telling the truth. But authenticity in Christ creates a trust. See, when we, as, when we are authentic before people... They see it in our lives. When we're phony, or when we're trying to conjure something up, or when we're just saying words, they can see right through that. But authenticity in Christ actually creates trust in those around us. When you feed people what they want to hear, or even you feed yourself what you want to hear to try to keep you on the path, it's easy for us to fall. Religion is more concerned about giving the right answer. We have, been cre- we have created a bunch of Christian actors. Afraid of negativity. Go and deal with that someplace else. I don't want to hear about that. Or to even question something. Take that to your closet. It doesn't belong out here. Don't bring that out in the open. Do you know what that's going to mean if we talk about that? See, being real, being authentic... I have problems. I have difficulties here. It's okay to be real. We do the church and other disciples a disservice when we hide and we try to pretend we're something that we're not. We cannot, what happens is they believe that we have to ride on this spiritual high and then they get depressed because they aren't living on that spiritual high. I want you to know there are times when I get discouraged. There are times when I get disgusted. There are times when I lack faith. There are times when I fear. There are times when I doubt. But I want you to know this. Whenever that happens, I take captive those thoughts and I give them to Jesus. I take captive those imaginations and I belong to Him. See, I don't have faith in faith. I have faith in the one who holds me. Second Timothy 3.5 says by this, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Have nothing to do with such people. There are people within the church that are comfortable, snuggled up, 
to the enemy's barrier, laying there happy, content. Paul says, don't have anything to do with them. Treat them like a publican. He goes on to say in 2 Timothy 3.10, However, you know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance, my persecutions, my sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. That word being become convinced of is actually the root word for the word we get for faith. Pistos. And it means, it, 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 what he's saying there is that having that kind of, of faith. It's, it, we really believe it. What we've learned, now we put into practice. We put it into faith. Because you know from those whom you have learned it. Those who are authentic. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which were able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. I've been saying this over and over again. We, we think sometimes that, that this... We inviting Jesus into our heart. It's one little thing that happened. There, and we think it's done right there, and we leave it alone, and, and we don't build upon it. And we think, okay, well, that's all there is. The scripture here, he's telling the actual word is, is when he says able to make you wise. It's actually the word right there is is a verb, and he's saying it's making you wise for salvation. What he's saying is this: it's a process. It's not this one-time thing. It's this process that we walk out by living out this persecution that the enemy puts upon us. All these things. It's not this one-time experience. It's this continual filling and being filled over and over and over again. Paul knew what authentic living was. He didn't try to make himself to be something he wasn't. You have seen my persecutions. You have seen these things. You've seen what happened to me. See... That's how he became trustworthy. Because someone was telling me this, this week, they said, you know that, this, this particular person, they said, they can feed me a good line, but I don't know if they truly believe it. Keeping your eyes on his feet was the thing that the Lord... Oops. Go back. Sorry. Keeping your eyes on his feet. That was the word that the Lord gave us on Tuesday night. He said, keep your eyes on my feet. Do not turn to the right or the left. If you want true discernment, keep your eyes upon my feet. Now this, at first when, I, when, 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 the, when it was spoken, I was like, Lord, I don't understand exactly what this means. I'm not sure exactly. I mean, I know what you're saying. If I keep my eyes on your feet, where you're going, I'll be able to stay on that path. But I, wanted, I explored it even deeper this week. Keeping my your eyes upon his feet. It's about position and posture. It's not looking way up here, but it's watching where he is walking. You're afraid, you're afraid of being deceived. Keep your eyes on his feet. You're afraid of veering off the path. Keep your eyes upon his feet. You won't miss. See, there's, there's something about being down here. 
There's something about being down here at His feet that you can't miss where He's going. But see, when you're off looking over here thinking you're high and mighty and doing all these other things, you will miss where His feet are going because you're busy thinking about what's going on around you. 1 John 2.6 says in the New American Standard, the one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. See, walking in humility. James 4.6, he says, but he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Colossians 3.12 says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion Kindness and humility. Gentleness and patience. He wants us to actually put on humility. Put it on yourself. Clothe yourself in humility. There's another one for you, honey. She likes to... (laughs) Clothing yourself with humility. Well, if I do that, I might not appear strong. I could actually appear weak. What, What do you mean? I mean could actually be authentic? I could look real before people? See, 1 Peter 5, 5 says, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to the elders, and all of you, clothe yourself with humility. Oh, here it is again, toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Wear humility like a garment. That word when he he says clothe yourself, it actually means to tie in a knot, to gird yourself up in it. See, I'm talking about a holy makeover. I'm talking about clothed in humility, getting low, getting low before God. I love sports. I love football. I love basketball. I love these things. And I believe sometimes we try to use sports as an analogy. Paul did it when he talked about a race. But I don't believe that he understood exactly where we would take it to the extreme that we've taken it today. (laughs) I don't want to demean sports, but what I want us to understand tonight is there is a certain aspect in sports that creates within us this idea that I can do it. When the message of the cross was, He did it, and He's clothed me in it. See, we want to do things by our strength. Some of us guys, we work out. And what it does is it causes something in our brains that has to be knotted up and thrown out. Because what it does is it creates a thing, an ability within us. I've seen it. I've seen it in church groups. I was telling Billy not too long ago, we had a church uh, uh, baseball league when I was a youth pastor in Selma. And man, it was some of the most violent games I've ever seen in my life. People cussing and swearing and, and, and acting amok at each other. And I thought, this is fun? Paul uses the illustration from, for running a race. But I want us to understand tonight that being the toughest, the fastest, the strongest doesn't always transfer over into the kingdom of God. The idea of watching his feet is an idea of humility and obedience, position and action, posture 
and awareness of Him. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus gets off the boat and He starts walking just a little ways and all of a sudden there's this demonic man that comes up to Him. And He's yelling and He's shouting and He, and he, he falls at Jesus' feet. His name, two things, they call it either battalion or legion. The Bible says that Jesus cast the enemy out of him, went into some pigs. Now, I'd hate to be the pig farmer that lost all my pigs in this swamp. But he was probably a good Christian man and he understood. <laughs> but he got down low. He was at Jesus' feet. I want you to understand tonight, when we get down low, when we get at Jesus' feet, something happens. See, this man, there's many people that were healed by Jesus. The demonic were, 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 were let free. But I want you to see what happens to this man. In Luke at chapter 8, it says he fell at Jesus' feet. Then in Luke chapter 8, verse 35 all of a sudden, after this takes place, it says that then this man was naked before this. I want you to picture this man. He's naked. He's got shackles around him. He's broken them because nothing could hold him down. He's probably handcuffed. He's probably got handcuffs walking around like, you know, he, he's broken those. Nothing can keep him down. And in, in verse 35, it says, all of a sudden, he was clothed in his right mind at Jesus' feet. See, in verse 39, it says that this same man, Legion, he became teachable at Jesus' feet. There is a, a teachable spirit that happens when we get at Jesus' feet. All of a sudden, this man, I didn't even realize this happened to him until I read the story again today. He became a disciple. Jesus, Because he wanted to go with Jesus, and Jesus said, No, listen, you go tell everybody. He became a disciple right there. He went and told everybody what Jesus had done. There's a story that Catherine Kuhlman tells of her father. Her father was a mayor. A mayor he was the mayor of a city and he was walking out of a store. He was walking out the door and this drunk came and crowded through and pushed him out of the way. One of the mayor's men says, Are you going to let him do that? I can afford to, he said. The need to be right comes out of a poverty spirit. The need to be vindicated in the eyes of people comes out of a poverty spirit. Only one who sees the wealth they have in Christ can respond with such mercy in such an obviously wrong situation. I can afford to take a back seat because I know how rich I am in Him. I don't worry about what I have or what I don't have. See, but the church, we've adopted the world's philosophy. We base it upon what is successful in the eyes of the world, what is prosperous in the eyes of the world. When Paul said this, he wanted to be authentic and say, I want to be meek and lowly and weak because I know I'm truly rich in Christ. You want to have the mind of Christ? Then don't worry about being vindicated in the eyes of the world. I have made myself of no reputation. What does the mind of Christ look like? Philippians 
It says, this is Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used on his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. And taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even to the cross. The King James Version says it like this, he made himself of no reputation. Humility and obedience are found in the mind of Christ. Greg, shouldn't you be building us up tonight? I am. Greg, shouldn't you be making us feel better? I am. (laughs) Greg, shouldn't you leave us in a better position than when we came in? I am. See, God is not impressed with my arm strength. He is not impressed with my intelligence. He's not impressed with what I can do. He is impressed with my weakness, my meekness, my weakness, my willingness, my openness, and my forgiveness. Proverbs 6, 16 says, There are six things the Lord hates, except that are detestable to Him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes. Feet that are quick to rush to evil. A false witness who utters lies. And one who spreads strife among the brothers. My son, observe the commandment your father. And do not forsake the teaching of your mother. See, notice in this. The six things and the seven things that God detests. I don't see adultery, drunkenness, or drug addicts in any of those. It's our mouth, our tongue, a proud look, and gossip that God focuses on. Wow. Man, that that hits the church right between the teeth, doesn't it? How do you guard against it? He says, remain teachable. Remain humble. Those things that your father and your mother... He he wasn't just saying... He's saying those things that have been handed down you in the Word. Those things that I've shown you. You want to see God's glory? Get, remain, and live humbly. See, Numbers 12.3 says, Now Moses was a very humble man. More humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. And the Bible says it just a couple of verses later. I spoke to men through the prophets. I spoke through them through these means. But to Moses, I spoke face to face. The mountain we climb to see God's glory is built on humility. James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up. 1 Peter 5.6 Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that He may lift you up in due time. I thought about today, I was thinking about these two men, James and Peter. James, the brother of Jesus, he understood that he knew he had to be humble. This was Jesus' brother. Man, I'll tell you what, if I was Jesus' brother, I would have probably flaunted it. <laughs> hey, do you know who I am? Yeah. I could have had my cross right next to his, but I'm waiting. I mean, that's, just think about it, man, James, he knew. See, anytime we try to put our cross next to Jesus, we're nothing but a criminal. Think about it. Peter, Peter, I'm going to build my church on you. (sighs) Peter has it all together. Do you hear what Jesus said about me? He said, I got it together. I got the mind of Christ. Oh yeah, I denied him, but I mean, come on. That was was a long time ago. No, what he understood was this position, this posture that I have to have is at Jesus' feet. Mary, Mary 
was being taught at Jesus' feet in Luke chapter 10. Remember, Martha's busy. She's, she's upset with Mary. Mary's over there at Jesus' feet listening to Him. And I didn't... I knew this, but I really got a grasp on it today. These, these two, Mary and Martha, they're Lazarus' sisters, okay? And so, here they saw the dead come back to life. Think about Mary. <laughs> Man, Jesus. I got to stay right here. No other place I want to be. Get down there at His feet. You can, you can feel the nail scars in his, in his feet. It's the place He wants us to abide. It's the place He wants us to remain. Mary broke open in John chapter 12 that expensive perfume and again began to anoint His feet. She took her hair that which adorned her, and she used it to mop his feet. See, I don't think I truly understood what Jesus was saying to us last week when he said, Get my feet. I called Billy the next day, and we were kind of, I, I, he was, I was, I was, I was, I was laughing about it in a sense because I was like, you know, I didn't understand it, Lord. And, and then I quickly, I, I called him back and I said, I'm going to repent because I don't want to take something casual that God has given me. He's given me a revelation. He's saying, listen, Greg, you, wanna, you stay right here at my feet and you will not miss. Don't worry about getting off course because if you stay right here at my feet, you put your feet in my footprints. If, you, if, if you're crawling along, whatever it looks like, just, you stay right there at my feet. You won't miss. Bo, turn on. Tonight, I believe God is calling us once again just like He did on Tuesday. To this place where we just go to His feet. What it looks like, I don't, I don't have any idea. I don't know where we're even going in this sense because all I want to do is just watch His feet. He, he steps ahead, I'm going with Him. He, he pauses, I'm going to pause with Him. I'm not going to get to the right or the left. If I have to, I'll put my feet in, in His prints. I don't want to miss getting low before God. He's calling us to that tonight.
Father, we just thank You so much, Father. Search our hearts, Lord. We give You permission, Father. Open our hearts. Search us, Father. Anything that's not of You, Lord. Bring it to us, Father. We may repent, Father, and turn from that, Lord. And follow You more closely, Father. Be with us as we leave here tonight, Father. Let this message that Pastor Greg brought, Father, from You sink into us, Father, that our eyes will be on Your feet, Lord. That we will follow in Your tracks, Lord. We won't be distracted by what the world has for us, Lord. It will be You, Lord. Nothing but You. We praise You, Lord, and we thank You for what You've done here tonight, Lord. Thank You, Lord. In the name of Jesus, Lord. Amen.